Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. It's good to be here. I hope everyone listening is doing great. Um, how are you? How's 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 Tim? <laughs> Tim is doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. I uh, I am very excited to bring our listeners this interview as well. It is a tragic case. It is an unsolved murder of Juan Leon Lorales from 1996 in West Texas. And this one came to us by way of some podcast friends, namely Laura Norton of The Fall Line, who introduced us to Arlene, who is Juan Leon's niece. And Arlene has really made the rounds on uh, true crime podcasts. I, I saw that she was on um, our friend Mike Morford's podcast, The Murder in My Family, and uh, a couple others. So I think that is so great. And if you're hearing this and you're a, a podcast creator, you know there there is probably an opportunity to speak with her as well because she wants to share Leon's story. And in this episode, we are also joined by an investigator who's been working with Arlene for the last, I guess, couple of months. And she is staying anonymous, but she's going by the name Yaya. She is a force to be reckoned with. I feel like the two of them together make such a great team. There will be progress made on this. They've made such great progress so far, especially on a case that is so cold. Leon died on May 11th of 1996. He was shot execution style. His car was set on fire. There's been very little progress made, and the investigation itself is frustrating, to say the least. And you can check out a GoFundMe that they have in Leon's case if you search Leon Lorales, Private Detective and Memorial, and you can donate to Leon's case. And Lance, we're going to CrimeCon in just like a week and a half. This is going to be an absolute blast. We're going to Vegas April 29th, 30th, and May 1st. We're taking over. Crawl Space is taking over Las Vegas. They're going to call it Las Crawl Space <laughs> by the time we're done there, or Las Space. Um, anyway, that aside, exactly, it's right around the corner. If you've been on the fence, if you don't know whether you're going and you're coming down to the 11th hour and you need something to push you over that 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 hump, to push you over that fence, you can go to CrimeCon.com and you can get a standard badge with 10% off by entering the code Crawl Space, and you'll feel better about it. You'll do it. And you'd be like, that is a small price to pay to hang out with all of my true crime friends, learn things about the true crime community, how to protect myself, advocacy, and then you simply could just buy Tim and I a drink. And that would, uh, you can't put a price on that. That's true. That's true. Because we'll, we'll yuck it up with you. It's going to be a blast. I cannot wait to meet our listeners, more of our listeners. It's been a while since we've been to CrimeCon, Lance. This is going to be an absolute blast this time. I cannot wait. And we also need to tell you about our new subscription service. You can find it at crawlspace.supportingcast.fm. We are bringing you weekly bonus episodes called The Crawl Space Crypt, and we're also bringing you ad-free episodes there and our crime and culture audio. It's really a smorgasbord of bonus content and ad-free, completely ad-free. So go check it out, crawlspace.supportingcast.fm. Wow, you went with smorgasbord. I, I would have gone with buffet because <laughs> I have a hard time saying the word smorgasbord. Yeah. But uh, yes, you are totally accurate on that. Um, you know what you get on the public feed. Uh, with the with the subscription feed, it's a lot more loose. Peek behind the curtain. We were doing it on Patreon. Patreon's a great platform, but the tools that we needed to make the content that we wanted to provide to you, if you're paying for it, had to be done on Supporting Cast. We were introduced to this platform through our new partners at Glassbox Media. Very happy with our relationship with these folks. Check them out at glassboxmedia.com and all the shows that they now represent. They're a growing company amazing individuals and we're proud to be a part of uh, their family over there okay thanks a lot for listening everybody make sure to follow us on social media at crawlspace podcast or crawlspace pod we're gonna take a quick break here and then we'll be right back with arlene and yaya Welcome to the podcast, Arlene and Yaya. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having us. I'm great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is um, very appreciated on our end because we understand how difficult of a um, conversation 
this is going to be for the both of you. So yeah, really sincerely, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having it. Yes. Today, we're going to be discussing the... uh, murder of um, Leon Loralis. And uh, can you tell us your relation to Leon? Uh, Leon was my uncle, uh, but he was only two and a half years older than me. So we were more like siblings than uncle and niece. So this was a um, pretty tight-knit family that you come from? Well, all of his siblings were way older than him. Some were already married and some were in college. And my siblings were way younger than me. So it was basically just him and I that grew up together. Oh, I see. Okay. And um, for those that don't know, where where do you uh, come from? Where did you grow up together? What's the community like there? Um, Leon and I grew up in Brady, Texas, which is a very, very small Christian community. Um, we didn't have, we didn't even have a Walmart at the time. We just basically had... Um, Sonic, Pizza Hut, and a little grocery store, and, you know, some, you know, local shops, and that was about it. We both were in the high school band together, so um, we connected there, too, going on trips for football games and stuff like that. Um, As we got older, we um, went to dances together. Um, Him and I were kind of loners, so we tended to hang out with each other and we danced with each other and listened to music together. And then as I got older, I um, had a son and I was divorced within a year. So he came and lived with me and took care of my son for me while I worked. We moved to San Angelo and we did that for a couple of years. And then we moved to Brownwood. I had two more kids, so he came and lived with me again, and he took care of my kids, and that's why he worked the midnight shift at Kroger, so that he could take care of my kids during the day, and then he worked the midnight shift. That's pretty amazing. Um, I love hearing stories about family members that come together like that and support each other, uh, and this might seem like an irrelevant question, but I feel like it's important to know. Uh, you said that the both of you were in band together. I'm just curious, what did you play? I played the saxophone and he played the trumpet. Stop it. I I tried to play the trumpet. That that first of all the saxophone is good for you. That's a ridiculous instrument to learn. Um but I I tried to play the trumpet for 3 months in band and and I was like well, how could it be so hard? It's just three uh it's three keys or whatever. Like it is one of the most difficult instruments I've like ever picked up in my life and I quit. I'm a quitter. Yeah, because I tried to play his too, and I cut it. You have to have so much air in you to to like and 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 control that air. I'm gl- I'm glad we're able to talk about this because it's been a it's been something that's been nagging at me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good at it. Well, he sounds like a great guy. He really, really was. He was very, very family oriented. He was very kind and giving, and he was very gentle. Yes, he really was. He was he was always doing for others. He would do without just so he could help others. Now, Arlene, I understand you are um, a relative of Leon. Um, yeah, yeah. I just want to ask a little bit about your background and how you come into uh, the story. Okay. It's odd, actually. I saw on Facebook, this is year, Arlene's page dedicated to Leon. And his murder, and in 96. And I read it. I was actually a defense paralegal for a defense attorney in Brownwood at that time. Every case we were assigned in, in Brownwood, we, I don't know how many we had, at least 100. We, you know, he was always appointed, and I did the investigative work. I worked on several murder cases. They were acquitted, mainly because of what I did. But when I read about Leon, I was working at that time, and I never even saw that article in the paper. I never heard about that murder, and it bugged me. So after about a week of searching and not finding a thing, I contacted Arlene, and I just told her. I said, I want to help you. This is bugging me. 
I don't understand why I never heard about it. My boss never even talked about it. And that's very abnormal for him. And of course, that was in 96. And I never heard a word until this year about this. I've been working on the case just for about, a, what do you think, Arlene, a month and a half? Yeah. Okay. But in 96, when, when he was murdered, I never saw the article in the paper because there were only two, I believe, at that yes. time. And as closely as I worked with the DA, well, against the DA, but with the police department and sheriff's office, getting in, getting information, getting discoveries, getting evidence against the clients I had at the time, I never heard Leon's name, never even knew he died. Until this year, I knew nothing about it. Brownwood's not a big town. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. How big is the community? And also, is there any other instance that you can remember where something like this has happened and uh after you've described what you do for a living being that surprised that you didn't hear about it has this ever happened before no it it just hasn't and it's a small town it was that we've only got about barely then it was maybe fifteen thousand people and on what i call attorney row we were all work had offices side by side defense attorneys Yes, we were all right there together. We worked close. We were half a step from the courthouse. I saw uh, the sheriffs daily. I knew all their names. They would call the office. I would call their. I would. I don't understand how we missed it. Yeah, the odd thing is, my boss never said a word about it either, and that's very unlike him. And yeah, I it. I had to dig. And that kind of confirmed my suspicions on that the case was never properly investigated or investigated like it should have been. And it was not out there for people to, you know, read about it or hear about it. And, you know, maybe they knew something, but it was not talked about. And yeah, yeah, that's uh, a similar feeling that you get. Literally blew my mind like I was thinking I had had a mini stroke or something at that time because how did I miss it? How did I miss this man being brutally murdered that way? Well, I guess I hate asking this question, but I have to add, you know, we have to ask this question in every episode. Can you take us back to the murder itself and what exactly is known of it? How did it happen? Actually, two days before... Leon did tell his sister, his his sister that's next to him, that he was afraid because there were some people that were mad at him and they wanted to hurt him, but he didn't understand why. And I recently found out he told a co-worker the same thing, that people were harassing him. But he didn't really talk about it much because he was a very private person. So he didn't tell me. I didn't know about it. I just remember that in the middle of the night, I got this phone call from one of my cousins that informed me that Leon was dead. Of course, it's one of those things like you're just woken up from sleep. You're like, no, I don't believe you. Like, what? What did you say? She repeated it. I remember just screaming and crying. No, 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 no. I I think I dropped the phone. I don't even remember how I got to the sheriff's department, but I remember being there. I remember waiting for some information that we never got spoken to. And then somebody said that it was in the newspaper already. So I went to get the newspaper and it was on the front page that he he was shot in the head execution style, which we didn't even know yet. So I was like super angry. I drove to the newspaper and informed them that they didn't even, we didn't even know this. So how dare they put that in the paper? I was just mad and I was crying and I I didn't know what to do from there. And the next, I don't even remember anything else actually, except being at the, being at the funeral at his graveside. I held on to his casket and I didn't want to leave him because I didn't want him to be alone. 
I knew that he was out there. He was scared when this happened and he was alone and I was angry at myself because I wasn't there for him. So they had to literally pry me away from his cast because I just didn't want to leave him alone. And for years after, I just cried daily. You know, I would shut myself in the bathroom and just cry so that my kids wouldn't hear me. And when they would go and play somewhere else, I would just turn on what his favorite song was at the time was um, Because You Love Me by Celine Dion. So I would just play that on repeat and just sit there and cry for hours. And we hired a private investigator, but... He told us that he had been threatened and he would not go any further. So he just took our money and left. And we've tried to contact him since then. So I have other podcasters and he refuses to comment. So we don't know what he found out or if he found out anything at all. And so I've been trying to put Leon's story out there because it wasn't talked about. And I hope that somebody has has the guts to come forward and say what they know or what they've heard because we don't have anything at this moment they didn't keep his car that was caught on fire and the reason they told us was because of the fire and the water damage there would be no evidence and then when i called and asked him if they kept his clothing so that they could you know possibly do some testing on it they basically said, we've done everything we can with what we have. So to me, that tells me they didn't even keep us clothing. So we have absolutely nothing at all to go on. I don't know that I'll ever find answers, but I'm trying really hard. Did Leon believe he was in danger? Yes. Like I said, he did inform his sister and a coworker that I've recently spoken to. And he was scared. He was, I guess... I don't know if he was being harassed or what, but it was enough for him to speak about it because he was a very private person. You know, we grew up Catholic, Hispanic. We don't talk about our feelings or anything like that. So for him to speak up about it, he must have been really, really scared. And when did you find out that information that he had said that uh, people were mad at him and, and wanted to hurt him? Not until later. I mean, my my aunt, she didn't let us know that until mm-hmm. way after So we had no idea that he was going through this at that time. And that that private investigator who took the money that you paid him to investigate Leon's murder never, as far as you're aware, had anything significant uh, come of his investigation, and he no longer speaks to you. No. But he took your money. He took my money. He refuses to speak to us. We've tried to contact him many times, and so... So has Vincent and the fall line, and he refuses to comment on anything. Gotcha. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry. And he was apparently threatened or felt threatened somewhere along the way? Yeah. What his words were that there is a lot of corruption there in law enforcement, and he was threatened, so he didn't feel comfortable continuing, and he left. Okay. Um, Now, Yaya, how how does that— ring to you does that sound like that's a possibility in that area oh it definitely does i worked really closely with uh my boss then uh you know the attorney i worked for which opened doors as far as me uh being pretty close-knit with the brownwoods godfather mafia guys which were other defense attorneys other attorneys in town, CPAs, I had a close relationship with a lot of those guys. Saw them at barbecues, saw them at gatherings, saw them at New Year's Eve parties. And these guys were already in their, you know, late 60s, 70s, but they were a force. What I believe, and Arlene and I talked about this, she had mentioned that whoever followed Leon to work, knew his routine. And, you know, they killed him within 30 minutes after following him to work. And uh, I found out through just searching. You know, I thought it was odd that Arlene really never, in the family, never spoke to the sheriff at that time. Mm -hmm. They called in the rangers immediately. The only reason to call in the rangers immediately on a murder case like Leon's or two reasons, mafia or a, or a gang crime 
or it was an officer shooting. The Rangers were there almost immediately, but this sheriff was not. That takes me back to what I was saying in the beginning. He didn't live far from where Leon did in Banks. So, yes, he would know Leon's. He would he would know his routine. Wow. Oh, so I just want to uh, clarify the Rangers, the Texas Rangers are typically or always called in for just two reasons. Is it is it um is it uncommon for them to be called in on on the first day? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. His name was Bobby Grubbs. He was a Texas Ranger. He's the one that was the lead investigator from the moment we got there to the sheriff's department. I never saw or spoke to the actual sheriff. Um, it was Bobby Grubbs that handled all of Leon's investigation, but he refused to speak to any of the women. So he only spoke to my other uncle, George, and okay. we would have to get information from him. Mm -hmm. I see. And this occurred on May 10th, 1996, and Leon was murdered from a uh, single gunshot wound. And is that uh, type of assault, that type of homicide, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say, common in the practice of organized crime? I would say yes, but it wasn't common in Brownwood. Right. Okay, good. Yeah, that was my next question. What does organized, what, what does a syndicate of organized crime um, specialize in in such a small community? I think in Brownwood, more often than not, and I think Arlene can corroborate what I'm about to say, it's drug activity. Mm -hmm. And Leon, by any means, had nothing to do with that. When we read, like, they'll put on Facebook the cases that are, have, are being indicted. It'll say organized crime. It's always attached to a possession charge and a possession with intent to sell. Mm -hmm. But the Texas Rangers are never called in within hours unless they know something's wrong. And they never shared any of that with Arlene. No. And the more I dig into the Code of Criminal Procedure about why a sheriff, which it was his jurisdiction, where Leon was murdered, why he would be, uh, I guess, recused. And it just keeps going back in the code uh, that either he was a family relative of the victim or was involved in the officer shooting. And then later, this Texas Ranger, Bobby Grubbs, he became the sheriff. So he, he is who, yeah, he was who my uncle would contact to see if there was any updates, and there never was any updates. That still exists today. Uh, do you have contact with them today? Um, I've tried to contact contact them many times. I've been requesting records in every way possible. And I did speak to the records keeper there at the sheriff's office about a month ago. And she informed me that, you know, it wasn't digitized, but she remembers the case well because they bring it out periodically to look at it. And that's when I asked her if they kept any of the clothing so it could be tested. And her words were, we have done everything we can with what we have. And then when I did a formal request. I did receive a letter from them that just gave me the four lines of the um, press release. And that was all that they gave me. And that was dated 1996. And as far as the autopsy, I keep getting the runaround on where to call, where they are, and I can't receive those either. Which they are public records, but I have yet to obtain them. Right. And I had to find that for Arlene. Mm -hmm. She didn't even know where his body was taken for that. And it is law that the family does have a copy of the autopsy, regardless of the manner of death. That's a law? That is the law. I've contacted Governor Abbott's office to help us. Huh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I have two, so we're just waiting on that. So what? why wouldn't—I'm I, trying to wrap my head around why they wouldn't give that in the first place. I don't understand why. If it's public record or it's the law, 
why I can't have them unless there's something to hide. As far as the records are too, there's something they're hiding there. That's why I can't get them. He was gay and he was starting to come out and starting to, you know, date. And he was actually coming into his own. And that's why we weren't as close at that time because I was giving him his space, his privacy. And, you know, I was very happy for him. He was just starting to come out and that was taken away from him. That's super frustrating is a lot of the information I have now gathered on my own and I want to speak to these people. Most of them have passed now, so I'm not able to speak to them. I'm wondering if we can write or do something, send something to the Texas Rangers asking for Bobby Grubb's information. That's one thing we haven't tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good uh, initiative to take if you haven't tried it. Um, because at this point, what would be the worst thing that would happen? No response. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. I'm curious, uh, Arlene, when did you know that Leon was gay? Did he tell you that? And then he said, listen, I'm I'm going to try to gradually come out of the closet. How long had you known before? No, since we grew up together, I always knew. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Even when he really probably didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he did either. And yeah. yeah, I always knew. I, you know, like I said, we're Catholic and Hispanic, you don't talk about those things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just let him be who he was, you know, and he did the same with me. So it was never like he told me or I asked him. It's, I always knew. I think he knew I knew. So, and he was seeing someone at the time of his murder, right? From what I was told by uh, someone that did know Leon and spoke to him like a week before, he was seeing someone. And Leon was ready to come out, and the person he was seeing was not. And so Leon was a little upset about that. But the person I think who it is, um, he's passed. He passed two years ago, so I wasn't able to talk to him. So I don't have any confirmation on who that was. There was one other strange thing that happened. Um, My cousin was in San Angelo the time Leon was killed, and they were close in age, and he was our cousin, so they got along and, you know, hung out together. He said he saw Leon one evening across the street from Kroger, where he worked, and in the parking lot, just sitting there, so my uncle pulled in and asked him, what are you doing here? And Leon said, I'm, I'm waiting for my girlfriend to get off work so I can give her a ride. And my cousin asked him, well, why are you over here instead of there? And he said, because her father is a highway patrolman and he hates me. And he said he would kill me if he ever saw me with her. So I have to park and over how here. How long before his murder was that? A week. A week. And do you think that that is the person that he's referencing when he was saying that someone's mad at him and wants to hurt him? I feel that it is, but he didn't <clears throat> say names. So I don't know who that was. I think it is another person that worked there at Kroger who has now passed also. Her um, boyfriend actually contacted me last night and he said he um, he's a firefighter and an arson investigator. And so a few years ago, he did look into Leon's case and he said while working a vehicle arson re with stolen vehicles, he found someone that he thought had a connection but he wasn't sure. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. Considering his car was set on fire. Right. Right. And and his car was uh, somewhere a bit away from his workplace? Yes, it was out in the middle of 
pretty much nowhere next to a gun range where one of the sheriff's deputies owned. Um, yes, I found that information out for her. So it was very convenient, I guess. Yes, he was investigating on his own property, which seems like a conflict of interest to me. But very that much. happened. He was found out there with a 911 caller said there was a car on fire. And when they got there, put out the fire of the car, they found Leon a few feet in front of the vehicle. It seemed that he had been on his knees, shot in the head, and just fell over. And his head was almost touching the fence there to the gun range. And my question on that is, there's no ballistics information on the gun, on the bullet. Mm. Were there shells found? Arlene doesn't know any of that. Yeah, I was going to ask that, like what type of weapon was possibly used, but if you're not getting a ballistics report on that, there's no way to know, right? Yeah, I have no answers at all. I don't even know what evidence was collected. If there was evidence collected, um, there's never been a suspect. So basically, like I said, it was not really investigated at all. And here we are 26 years later. Right. Oh, and didn't the didn't I say they were investigating again when you asked them? And was it 2019? Yeah, they did send it to the Texas Rangers cold case unit. Did they assign someone? No, they just told me they sent it there and nothing came from that either. So this was um, on a dirt road. It was Farm Road 2126. What type of road is this? And you, because I, you said that um, someone had called 911 to alert about a, a car being on fire, they didn't see a body there at the time? No, that, no, they didn't mention the body. They just mentioned the car on fire. This is a, like, back roads. At the time, there wasn't um, many houses in that whole area. There is now, but at the time, there wasn't. There was basically that gun range and just, you know, this single-lane road, and that was about it. And with the 911 caller said that their the car was on fire and they did see a off-white and red pickup truck with a flatbed that was driving very slowly at that time and what was convenient there too is that you know vehicle that was distinctive was never found in this small town and how far away was was um leon and, and his burning car found from work from from his workplace because uh, i understand he was uh, he was supposed to work a shift that night? Yes, I actually, um, for his birthday, I went down there. So I actually drove it myself from his home to Kroger's. is about eight minutes. Um, he always was there ahead of time. So he left his house at 1130. Um, he was at the parking lot approximately 1140. Um, I spoke to the coworker that said that she did see his car out there. And... So, you know, of course, she knew he was coming in, but then when he never showed up inside, she looked and the car was gone. And so from there to the spot where he was killed is approximately like um, 12 minutes, maybe 15. It depends on how fast you're driving. And I believe that because they knew his schedule, there had to be more than one person to drive his car and their vehicle or have Leon drive at gunpoint. And Leon was a really big guy. So he had his seat all the way to the back and reclined. So I would be interested to know if how the seat was at the time it was on fire, because you would know if Leon was driving or someone else that was never, I mean, they didn't keep the car. It was gone right away. So we don't know. But it had to be more than one person. And, you know, another podcaster asked me, like, well, he was so big. Would he fight them? I'm like, no. Leon was very, very, very shy. He was not the type to want to hurt anybody's feelings. He never fought. He never raised his voice. I never even saw him angry. I said he would have complied 100% if he had a gun to him. He would not have fought at all. So he would just go with them. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, regardless of someone's size or stature having a gun to you might make you question whether or not you should engage in a physical confrontation at that moment maybe he knew that so he just went along the Um, police did tell arlene the sheriff was the sheriff of bobby grubbs told you 
at when he was shot, his face fell in a pile of ant bed, uh, fire ant bed. I don't remember who told us that, but one of the invest- sheriff's investigators or deputies, I don't know. I don't remember who it was. I, all of that was kind of a little, you know, I was just too much. Yeah. yeah, but I do well, remember it, that we didn't have an open casket because of the gunshot to the head. And where he landed, it was on an ant pile, so his face was all, you know, too much for us to view. And when she told me that, it brought me back to exactly what she was saying. If there were two people involved that took him, I feel like just a little part of me feels like Leon would have tried to save himself, and they may have beat him up. Punched him in the face. Absolutely. We never saw his face, so exactly. we don't know. And there's no autopsy for us to view, so we don't know if he had other injuries to him or not. Exactly. And I truly believe, I truly believe there was a lot more to what happened to him in that short time, because whoever did this to him was angry. I apologize for how this might come out as graphic, but I'll I'll do my best. Has has it ever? been a consideration in either of your minds or in any uh, investigator's minds that his body was left there so that it was you could see it because why wouldn't you if if the intent was to murder somebody which it was because of the we know that because of the result why wouldn't you murder that person in the car if you're setting the car on fire and just really throw the investigation into disarray by having a burned body in a burned car. Did it, does it, has it ever been a consideration that this was, I don't want to say, I don't want to be as dramatic as to say it was a message, but somebody wanted people to know how Leon died? That's a very good point. Um, I haven't considered that, but it does seem logical. I just don't think you can't see Leon's body from the road because. It's kind of like an overpass mm-hmm. right in the right under is where his body was found. You can't see it unless you're going in that little dirt road area to the gun range. Um, so all they saw was a burning car and it was right. night. So they didn't see his body. But I also feel like um, I, I feel like they knew that they would never get caught. So I don't think they cared. Right. Right. I feel like there was probably a struggle in the car. Whether Leon may have pulled their hair, maybe they got in a scuffle in the car when he, maybe he refused to get out. Maybe they punched him, possibly. Maybe they shot him in the car, panicked, got him out of the car, and then burned it. There's something very odd about that scenario, because you're right. Why not burn him in the car? Arlene's correct. You couldn't see his body from the car. I mean, from the highway. You couldn't. I've driven that since she told me where it was. You can't. Yeah. And since they never collected his clothing or fingernail clippings or anything like that. They didn't do a thing. Yeah. There's no way for us to prove that, you know, he had contact with someone else. Any idea on how... Um, I guess Leon, Leon's car and the killer would have gotten there. Um, I, I think maybe that's why you suggested there, there may have been two people. It's kind of hard for me to imagine the killer just got a ride with Leon to this spot and then I guess walked somewhere, uh, you know, away. Or like, did, did this person have a car follow him? Like, I, I guess... Yeah, take me through that, if, if you don't mind. Like, why would Leon have left the parking lot? My theory is that they already had this planned way ahead of time. And when I lived there, I didn't even know about this gun range. So it had to be somebody that planned this well enough to know where to go to hide his body, where to go that, you know, people wouldn't see, um, how long it took to get there, because, you know, it was less than an hour that, from the time he left his house to the time the 911 call came. Whole hour, you know, to do all of that. It was planned. There was more than one person there. Um, Like I said, they either drove his car or he drove it at gunpoint. And this happened, like, right away. 
it happened so fast that I'm with Arlene. Mm-hmm. They knew where they were going to take him. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that one of the people who was involved and was a relative of one of the sheriff's deputies, they own that property. In what my opinion, think? this is a cover-up, so I probably won't ever get answers. What's the process to exhume a body? Good question, because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Well, I think that would be an excellent thing to do. Um, you can have your own tests done, everything. Yeah, you could see, you know, within, a, I, I think, like a certain range of accuracy, what type of weapon was used based on the wound. Um, that would still be there. You could also see if there was any other broken bones on the body, maybe some broken ribs or any other sign of um, abuse or, or anything like that. It probably wouldn't be enough to say case closed. We know what happened, but I think that would send a bit of a shockwave to the people. Yeah. Yeah. Some answers. And I think it would send a bit of a message to the, to the involved parties or anybody who might know. I don't know what what I have to do to get that done or how much it costs, but I you know I'm wondering that I should do that. I feel like I, I really call need the to home and ask if there was anybody there still working that did the embalming at that time. And I said, no, because I was going to flat out ask them for any records, mm-hmm. but they had no one is still there. What also is funny is that the person who owns the funeral home is the person who had the responsibility of taking Leon's body to get autopsy. And And why take it to Austin when Brown County uses Dallas, Texas? We always did. Wait, tell us about that. When I worked for the defense attorney, I had two murder cases that both our defendants were totally, completely acquitted. But in the process of working with that and other things, when someone was murdered or died at a young age, all bodies are sent to Dallas, Tarrant County for autopsies. That is who the judge at the time and the JP would always have the body sent to Dallas. They'd say it will take two to six weeks to get the autopsy back. More often than not, it was back in a few days. They sent Leon's body to Austin. I liked and never found it. Hmm. It took me a week to find it, Arlene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was getting frustrated <laughs> because we, you know, as a government entity, shared police, all of it. I worked very close with them at that time. No bodies were sent to Austin, Texas for an autopsy. And Brownwood didn't have an overflow of murder, so it was odd to me that they sent it to Austin. Now, in 1996, there was only two in Brown County because I was that up. Yes. And have you received any answer as to why? Yeah, they told me to call the JP. So I called the JP and he told me I have to call the Sheriff's Department. So I called the Sheriff's Department and they told me they don't have it. Call the JP. So I've been going around and around and around. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. And she wondered, though. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it makes you wonder because also at the time, the the JP now she had to contact for that information. At the time of Leon's death, he was a sheriff's deputy detective. This is the issue with the exhumation. The exhumation order has to be issued by the sheriff on the petition oh for the body to be exhumated. And why do you um, think Leon um, was killed? I have two reasons. And because I can't get any answers, I can't get any records, I don't know definitely. But it was either to do with um, his sexuality or he saw something he shouldn't have and it was covered up by law enforcement there. That's the only thing I can come up with because... Everyone I've talked to, everyone he worked with, they all say he was such a great guy. He was so kind and, you know, so sweet. Nobody, nobody hated him. Nobody would have a reason to hate him. 
And did, did the police suggest that, that he saw something that he shouldn't have? No, what they suggested that it was probably because he was gay. Arlene, since mm-hmm. you say that, did y'all tell them? About? Leon being gay. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I've, yeah, I've mentioned it on other podcasts. I'm not ashamed of that. I was, I was happy. No, I mean, when the sheriff's department suggested that he was gay, that's why he was murdered. Did you y'all know tell, what? Them that, tell them that no. in the beginning? No, well, we I, never. I, I find that odd. That's a great question. Yeah, it is. You're exactly right. They never asked us, and we never said that. But they offered. Why them. would we say that? I mean, why would they know? How would they know? Because we. I mean, I don't think that all of when my uncles told, would ask me. <laughs> well, when you told me, you know, Leon had told uh, his uncle that he was he had, he was picking a girlfriend up. Yeah, our cousin. Uh, and he said that her Bobby. father is DPS. Remember, you and I had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if he wasn't DPS? Because right. at the time, they changed the uniform color to tan, just like Sheriff wore. Mm-hmm. They wore tan as well. Right. Yeah, I, I don't facts about uniforms, but that's true. Yeah, I have no idea who he was referring to, but again, it's like I feel all of the law enforcement there is some connection to Leon's murder. And no, we didn't tell anyone that he was gay. I mean, he didn't even tell his most of his friends. They're like, we knew too, but he didn't talk about it because he was so private. And that's what the guy right. I talked to yesterday said, you know, Leon didn't talk about it because he was exactly. so private. So, but they knew. So I don't know how Grubbs knew. I don't know. He was bright enough to say something. Yeah. Who is it from law enforcement that said that? It was Bobby Grubbs, and it was on, um, it was in the paper, like, I want to say a few months after that he believed it was a hate crime. You know, I read the transcripts from Bobby Grubbs' um, induction into the Texas Ranger Hall of Fame. 583 pages long, and I found where he could, and I think I sent Arlene a screenshot that one of the cases that bothered him that he couldn't get closure was Leon's. They all say that, though. They do. That he singled out Leon's. He talked a pair, he he spoke an entire paragraph about Leon's case. He Mm -hmm. mentioned one other that they got got that murderer. I mean, I think it was a paragraph and a half long. Yeah, I saw it. Now, I I just want to unpack this a little bit more. Did Bobby Grubbs say hate crime because he was a homosexual, or did he just stop at hate crime? I have to go back and look. I'm not sure, but I believe all he said was a hate crime. Um, But I think another time he mentioned because Leon was gay. I'm just fascinated by the uh, whenever law enforcement volunteers information like that. We've covered cases where they'll say there's probably drugs involved or it was probably, um, you know, spousal abuse or something. Uh, There's always a reason to say that, you know, they don't have to say anything. So I'm always interested when they give like anything close to a specific like that. How did he know? And if you think it's a hate crime, why aren't you trying harder to find these people so it doesn't happen again? So that gun range still exists? Yes, Yes. because I had the memorial last year. And when we arrived... And you felt uncomfortable. There was was somebody at the gate trying to unlock it. And they stared at us like for like 30 whole minutes. And I was like, who is that? And why do they keep staring at us? I don't know who that was, but it was very odd. Did you look up the exhuming process while we were talking about this? I actually am still looking it up, and I'm actually finding that in extenuating circumstances like Leon's, she can request a private exhumation. There are steps in the process, and I'm going to research that myself, and I might even call this company myself. And we'll go from there. That as soon as it's exhumed, the body has to go somewhere. So, you know, it's not something we can do in a month. 
Mm. As long as I don't have to have the sheriffs to sign off on it, because I'll find won't. out. <laughs> I will get. I will get a reason, and I will call Karen at the governor's office. If I have to. Okay. I'm not great. afraid to. <laughs> I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, justice must be done. Arlene, you have found. Well, you both found each other, but this is. You 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 two are going to make some progress here. I really hope so. That's that's my goal is to get some kind of answers. Even if I don't get justice, I need some answers because I feel like Leon deserves them. He deserves You he deserve was, it. He yeah, deserves um, it. He deserves justice, but he was such a wonderful person and he was just starting to really live his life and it was taken from him and it's not right. So I feel like he deserves to to have some answers on why this happened. Sure does. And and I I totally I totally get that, but I'm 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 with Yaya on this as well. Like you do deserve it. You and your family deserve it. Uh and this can't if it is in fact a hate crime, other people deserve it. You know, the the truth needs to come out and people just can't be getting away with 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 such brutal crimes and, and hateful crimes like this. Yeah. Well, I'm the only one left in the family that's um, been trying to find answers. So I really appreciate all of you guys helping me get Leon's story out there because I feel alone most of the time, And I, but I'm trying really hard. Well, thank you. Yeah. The, the podcast community is here. Um, absolutely. And I, I've seen that you've, um, you know, spoken with several podcasts and I think that's great. And I think it's great to just keep spreading the word and I know it's difficult to do, but it is important. And I think, um, you obviously know that too. Thank you. Is there anything else, um, you'd like to say? Um, I'd like to invite people to join, um, the Facebook, Facebook group, um, justice for Leon Lorellis. Um, I also have a GoFundMe page, um, that I'm trying to raise money to hire a private investigator and maybe get his body exhumed. That would be great. And we will put those links in the show notes. And if anyone has any information, do you direct them to the Brown County Sheriff? Um, yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Arlene and Yaya, for chatting with us today about Leon's case. It's such a tragedy. And um, please keep us updated um, with with any movement in his case. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it more than yes, you're excited to say. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you two work great together. So, you know, good, good job there. And uh, just take care of yourselves. 